Hi there. Welcome to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Debbie Perkins, and I'm really happy to be here sharing with you today. If you've been following along with us, we're in week three of our Advent series entitled Christmas Hope. As we continue to study and reflect on the birth of Jesus and Christmas and what it means for us today as believers, there's one account in particular I want to focus on, and that's the wise men and their encounter with Jesus. You remember the story, wise men who followed a star in search of a particular king. Side note, tradition says three wise men, but scripture never mentions how many there were. Well, when they arrived in Jerusalem, these wise men, also known as Magi, asked a very important question, which we're told troubled King Herod and all of Jerusalem. That question was this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. King Herod gathered the chief priests and inquired where the Christ was to be born, and they answered him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." So King Herod, who certainly had another agenda, sent the Magi on their way to Bethlehem to find this king of the Jews. They once again followed the star, which led them right to the house where Jesus was. Matthew 2.11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Without a doubt, these magi knew that this child was not just any king. He was king of kings. And because they knew who he was, they also knew the right response was that of worship. They came with the intent to worship, traveling far to bring this king gifts, treasures, and reverence. I want to back up here just a little. After Herod sent them on their way, Matthew 2.10 tells us that when they saw the star— They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These magi, having traveled a long way with their caravan and gifts fit for a king, were excited. They rejoiced at the sight of that star that would lead them to the king so they could worship him. I wonder, do we get that excited about worshiping our king? The Christmas season is a perfect time to reflect on the way we worship Jesus, to prepare our hearts to be worshipful servants of a worthy King. Let's talk about some ways that we can worship the Lord, not just at Christmas, but every day. One, we can worship with our lips, praise. Two, we can worship with our attitude. Three, we can worship with our gifts. And four, We can worship with our obedience and how we live. Okay, first, worshiping with our lips. Well, what comes to mind when you hear the word worship? Most of us would immediately think of worship songs, praise and worship. In church, lifting our hands and our voices toward heaven, singing words of adoration to God. And this is accurate. God is worthy of our praise. Whether we're in church or at home, in a crowd or by ourselves, this is a beautiful way to express our adoration of King Jesus. Psalm 22.3 tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. 
The Bible is filled with accounts of God's people worshiping Him with praises, with their lips, and there are so many reasons to praise Him. Psalm 63.3 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And in Psalm 28, it says, Blessed be the Lord, because He has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. It is fitting to praise God, to worship him, and give audible voice to the one who saves, restores, redeems, who blesses, provides, and protects. And even more than words alone, our posture can reveal a great reverence for God. In Matthew 2.11, we read that when the Magi saw Jesus, they fell down and worshipped him. There's another place in Scripture where we see this same picture of falling down and worshipping, as well as words of adoration and praise. In Revelation 5, John describes a spectacular scene in heaven. He says this, I looked. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Another way we worship or honor God is with our attitude. Earlier I mentioned the exceedingly great joy that the Magi had when they saw the star and knew they were about to meet the king they traveled so far to see. What was it like when you first met Jesus? Maybe there were tears, like like me. Did you feel relief or like a weight had been lifted? Maybe there was immediate joy and rejoicing, or maybe the joy came later when you realized the fullness of what it truly meant to be saved. What is our attitude now? How do we come to Jesus? Are we thankful for what He's given us or discontent with what we have or don't have? Do we complain to others about all the ways we aren't happy or satisfied? Or are we filled with gratitude, knowing that even if our circumstances are difficult or even painful, that we serve a God who has promised us He will never leave us or forsake us? Let us be women who worship the Lord with grateful hearts. We're told to enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise, to be thankful to Him and bless His name. The Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. And in Psalm 50, God says that whoever offers praise glorifies Him. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice and doesn't always come so easy. No matter what our circumstance, we can come to the Lord with thanksgiving and praise and hearts filled with gratitude because we know the King that we serve is righteous and good. In Hebrews, it says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And in Psalm 116, the psalmist says, I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. God sees each and every one of us, and He knows our every circumstance and our every need. 
He sees you, and he loves you. No matter where you find yourself this Christmas, in a place of rejoicing or overwhelmed by burdens or grief, know this. You serve a God in heaven who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. And he is a God who comforts, provides, he still works miracles, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. Sometimes it may be difficult to have an attitude of thankfulness. I get that. Life can be hard. But know that you're not alone. I want to encourage you that while the wise men traveled far to find Jesus, you don't have to look too far at all. He is right here. And to begin changing our attitude to one of gratitude, we can start with a simple whisper, thanking God for opening our eyes this morning, for the breath that fills our lungs, that the sun rose today, that He is near. A third way that we can worship God is with our gifts. As a part of their worship, the wise men brought treasures to Jesus. Scripture tells us that they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What are the gifts that we can bring our Lord and King? The obvious answer is in the giving of our resources, tithes and offerings. As Christians, we recognize that the things we have, our possessions, our finances, are not really our own. Everything we have is from God. In Deuteronomy 18, we read, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. And then Proverbs 3.9 says to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And if the Lord stopped there at verse 9, it would be enough for us to give because, well, He commanded it. But even in our giving, God chooses to bless us. It goes on in verse 10 with a promise and a blessing. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And in Malachi chapter 3, God instructs, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to even receive it. Our giving back to the Lord is just another expression of our worship as well as an act of faith, and it goes hand in hand with our heart attitude. The Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. This speaks not only of our finances, but also refers to the giving of our time and our spiritual gifts. In other words, serving, serving the Lord by serving others, using our gifts to further His kingdom and to encourage and build up others in the faith. There will be countless opportunities this Christmas season and throughout the year to serve those in need, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As the Lord points out in Matthew 25, when we feed those who are hungry, help a stranger in need, when we meet the needs of those that Jesus refers to as the least of these, it's the same as if we're doing it for Jesus himself. When we give or serve joyfully, we are truly honoring and worshiping God. My fourth and last point, we can worship and honor God with our obedience and the way that we live our lives. 1 Samuel 15.22 says that our obedience to God is a much more acceptable act of worship than a sacrifice of burnt offerings. As believers, God calls us to live holy lives, to live set apart from the way the world lives— when we do this, we not only honor God because of our obedience, but our lives are also on display as representatives of a holy God, pointing others to Him. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, true and proper worship. It is out of our love for God that we should desire to obey his commandments. In Matthew 22, one of the Pharisees asks Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Through our obedience, when we love and honor God with everything that we have and when we love others the way that God intended, He is magnified and others are drawn to Him. Jesus calls us the light of the world, like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And He says for us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Like that bright star that led the Magi to Jesus, we too shine brightly like a city on a hill, and in doing so, we help lead others to this same Jesus. I read in one commentary that the Magi were seeking the king, Herod was opposing the king, and the Jewish priests of the day were ignoring the king. Well, I pray that none of us would find ourselves opposing or ignoring our king. But if you're seeking the king, you can find him. The Bible tells us that everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. It also says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't know Jesus, don't delay. Ask him into your heart and your life today. And if you already know Jesus, I pray that you will make lots of time this Christmas season to worship him. Worship him with praises and in your day-to-day living, and be a witness to a world who desperately needs him. There is a great quote in our Advent lesson uh, for this week. It says, Christmas is about worship. One activity that will never disappoint is wholehearted worship of Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe.